Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed, quite frankly, to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Adam, I have some uh, some pretty auspicious news. Oh, really? And uh, it's going to... I think it will be the subject of some debate, but uh, you tell me what you think. Okay. You can count on my honesty. As of, I think, today, the day we are recording this, we have crossed mission log in number of iTunes reviews. We have 301, and they have 295. That's one of the many metrics that we use to measure ourselves against that podcast. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Another is dick size. How many negative reviews do they have versus our negative reviews? That's, a, that's an interesting question. Let me, let me see if I can pull it up. We did get a new negative review from somebody who... Really took issue with the fact that we aren't super experts. Hey, look at that. We're at 302. As, like, I checked this five minutes before we got on the, on the Skype, and uh, we're already at 302. That's great. Thank you, everybody, for leaving nice reviews. Let's see. Let's see if it breaks it out here. So we have 11 four-star reviews, two two-star reviews, and one one-star review. <laughs> one star. Not even two stars. One star, really? Yeah, we got a new one star from I don't, a guy. I don't feel like a show that's as produced as well as ours is could get a one star review. Well, the guy took issue with our uh, being not um, dry, un- uninteresting experts. Oh, he took umbrage with the fact that we aren't a scholastic enterprise? Okay, get ready to gloat at him. Okay. Mission Log has 14 four-star reviews, six three-star reviews, four two-star reviews, and eight one-star reviews. Oof. See, I feel a little better about our our negative reviews now. That's that's pretty good. Look, they say uh, if you you haven't made enemies here or there, you haven't truly lived your life. And I think that in the life of a podcast, a couple of one-star reviews don't mean too much. What do you think? I... Agree with you in principle, but I do want our listeners to feel motivated to go bury that one-star review in more five-star reviews, uh, which they seem to be they seem to be doing, which is great. Yeah, it goes without saying that uh, we want to bury, we want to drown and then bury the bad reviews on our site. Yeah. Well, anyways, I'm feeling great, and I kind of want to celebrate by ripping open another pack of Star Trek cards. What do you think? Oh, geez, this is like two opens for the price of one. Let's do it. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, do you want to do it at the same time? Oh, cross streams? Yeah, what do you think? Won't that, like, uh, collapse the space-time, what have you? I don't know. I can't, remember, I can't remember how Egon talks about that, but... Maybe. All right, get your, get your pack. All right. The game is five-card stud. The game is exceedingly simple. Or this is just the card there. Time to pluck a pigeon. If one of us gets a signature card and the other doesn't, it's going to just be a total showstopper. Got one for Reunion, which is a bunch of hands in each other. I think this is the time that uh, Worf's baby mama drops off his son. 
Uh, my first card, my top card, is Hollow Pursuits. It's a Barkley episode. It's got a bunch <laughs> of fencing swords crossed on the front. Crossing streams, crossing swords. It's all, it's all thematic. It's card number 69. Nice. Right on. Let's see. My next one is the Vengeance Factor. It's a Riker cupping the head of a young woman. Don't remember this episode. I got the Naked Now, which is an episode we remember and treasure. Yeah. Uh, Does it have an image of Assistant Chief Engineer Shimoda on it? It is a massively missed opportunity to oh. uh, to have a Shimoda card. Uh, I don't know if a Shimoda card exists, but uh, what we have is just uh, a picture of Data and what is supposed to be a nude Tasha Yar, uh, who's just sort of in black profile, yeah, sort of shadowed out. So, we well, don't... that's that's the second image you would want for that episode sure. after Isolinear Jenga. Sure. Next card for me is an episode called Hollow Pursuits, and it's some uh, fencing swords crossed. Is that sinking in for you, Adam? Uh, yeah, that's that's the top card that I got. We got a repeat. Yeah. But but what are the chances? Hey, Ben. What are the chances that my third card is an autographed card? Because Are it you is. shitting? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, wow, you have, you have opened two packs and you've gotten two autograph cards. I know, right? That's crazy. Congratulations, this limited edition card has been personally signed by Charles Dennis. The Charles Dennis? I know, right? I fucking got Charles Dennis. As Commander Sunad in Transfigurations. This is a gentleman uh, who looks to be wearing uh, some melted candle wax on his head, on his forehead, that is, uh, that is running into his ears. So, Oh, nice. Uh, well, I look forward to hearing him talk about the process of putting on that makeup at Greatest Gen Con. 2017. Man, I've got a very wharf-heavy pack here because my last two are Sins of the Father, which is a an image of Worf, and Firstborn, which is an image of a Batleth. Well, Worf's your guy, isn't he? He's isn't, one of my guys. He's he, You wouldn't say he's your favorite guy? No, Picard's my favorite guy. I, I guess. All right. <laughs> um, my last two <laughs> Who's are... Who's your guy? I don't know. I think maybe Guinan's my guy at this point. Just going yeah, off of uh, what we've seen in the series, I'm a big fan. Yeah, Guinan's pretty good. I got Remember Me, and I got Gambit Part 2 as my last two cards. Don't remember them? What's Ga- Gambit Part 2? So it's a the exciting conclusion to w- one of the early multi-episode arcs yeah. that the Star Trek universe attempted. It is card 157, so it is very far into our podcast's future. Are the numbers of the cards corresponding to episode numbers? I'm only guessing because the Naked Now is card number three, and that all of these other cards are episodes we haven't seen, and they're very high numbers, that 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 would be the case. But that would just be a guess. Okay. So what we got uh what we got on today's episode is season two, episode sixteen. Q Who. 
<laughs> did you just crack a brew? I did. I've been uh, doing something a little classier and drinking some brown liquor with a big chunk of ice in it. But, you know, you do you. <laughs> Speaking of beverages, this episode opens with a uh, hot engineer ordering a hot chocolate out of the uh, out of the replicator and spilling it all over the captain. And she does a she does like what you would do if you wanted to get your hands all over somebody and not actually wipe their shirt off. <laughs> just she doesn't like go for a rag, which I imagine they've got to have like chamois rags around the engine compartment of this ship. But uh, she's just kind of like patting his chest. <laughs> she's sort of giving him a sponge bath with her hands. It's pretty pretty aggressive move i feel like i feel like going the other way uh this would be this would be grounds for some kind of tribunal you know so this is ensign gomez that we're talking about mm-hmm. and there are a couple of things that that are weird about this scene first of all like i think we've both been in like white collar business environments that are that have signs up that say like no food or drink past this point right no coffee without a lid for example mm-hmm. And yet, engineering has a full-on replicator just in that department. I think that's a strange, strange choice to put a replicator there. I mean, do you want <laughs> you want guys eating fried chicken and doing warp core repair? I don't know. It just seems like a bad deal. It's one of the nice things about having one of those induction burner type stoves that they have all the computers modeled after in engineering. Is you you just squeegee them off once everything you're done, really you know? wipes clean for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good you, call. You got to imagine that that's some pretty like advanced nonstick material. Yeah, yeah. So this scene, like they they begin with the B story, which is how really... much fucking Windex must they have used on this show? Like there must have been a PA on set whose whole job was just to run in and like squeegee everything off after every shot. This is the late eighties. I mean, this is this is pre microfiber cloth. So yeah. I mean, whoever that PA was was probably putting in real elbow grease. With, like, terry cloth or, like, a T-shirt or something. Ah, and you can't get anything clean with those. They're, all, they're too no. linty. It's the worst. Can't do it. Well, anyways, Picard's, uh, Picard's all, all verklempt about his messed up shirt, so he's going to go put a new one on. Picard's right. wet again. <laughs> he steps into the... Uh, the elevator, and it's not the elevator, but the back of a Toyota Previa. Yeah, he does that thing where he walks out of the transporter without looking. And that's a that sounds like a pretty dangerous maneuver for a ship that has been known to wing a guy around inside a transporter a time or two. <laughs> so he's, he steps onto the Previa, the door closes behind him, and he is out in deep space. Yeah. On a Previa with Q. <laughs> Q is in his like captain uniform and he's he's citing the use of the Previa as a loophole in his prior agreement with Picard not to fuck with the Enterprise anymore. Um I guess he lost he, he lost the bet in the last terrible episode he appeared in and uh the the terms were that he would leave him alone for the rest of eternity but uh yeah he's he totally he totally jakes a shuttle for that purpose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he's interpreting the uh, the confines of that agreement to be limited to uh, the the ship. And and so 
uh, he's he's telling Picard about how he wants to come become a member of the crew, and Picard is like, "I'm not listening to your bullshit." Yeah, just pretty much shuts him down. Is not really interested in even hearing what Q has to say. It's like a it, it, it's like a dad who has like you know missed his kid's baseball game one too many times and is like trying to trying to smooth it over by going like do you want to go like for ice cream and the kid's like no <laughs> you know and Q is just like chewing the walls off of the scenery here like he is <laughs> he is so entertaining and fun like he's getting in Picard's face he's whispering in his ear he's like throwing a rubber ball against one of the bulkheads he's just he's great yeah he's totally like Steve McQueening in in the back of the Previa right with that with that rubber ball and like again I think we've mentioned this before in other Q episodes the dialogue is not super strong but it's Delancey that puts it up over the top yeah it's it's his force of will that makes it work yeah he does not uh, he does not take he does, he does not merely deliver dialogue he delivers dialogue So we cut back to the ship, and uh, and Guinan's spider senses are tingling. Oh man, I totally was thinking of them as spidey senses. Yeah. We're on the same wavelength. She feels a special tingle, and radios <laughs> up to the bridge. And this is a pretty yeah. weird thing to happen. Riker can't ever remember Guinan calling the bridge before, and he says as much. He's like, what's going on, Guinan? And Guinan's like, oh, just checking to see if everything's cool. And she says it in that way that, like, whenever a girl says that we need to talk, mm. you know, like, some serious shit has gone down, but she's not willing to say it. Right. I think she any, wants... anytime Guinan says that, that like, something just feels off, or <laughs> I just thought I'd reach out and say hi, I feel like anytime yeah. Guinan does that, that is a reason to shit some pants. That is grounds for calling a full stop on the ship and... And uh, reassessing everything, frankly. Yeah, except Riker doesn't have a special relationship with Guinan, so he just sort of writes it off as Guinan being weird Guinan. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, cool, Guinan. Uh, everything's all right up here. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's like tabled, essentially, and they kind of keep going about the business of the ship, and then... Troy's spidey sense starts to tingle, and she's like... Uh, I don't, I don't feel Captain Picard anymore. Like maybe, maybe we should see where that guy is. That's got to be like real upsetting, right? When the like gravitational center of your social universe is suddenly gone. Yeah, I, I mean, I sort of wonder what took her so long for that to happen. I wonder if she's like constantly doing an audit of all the people yeah. in her mind and and like on that long loop she gets back to the top back to Picard and that's when she's sort of tipped off and they do one of those checks with the computer they ask the computer where Captain Picard is and the computer's like yeah he's not here computer locate Captain Picard the captain is not on the ship I like how neutral the computer treats every piece of information. (laughs) Yeah, no matter how terrifying, like, the captain of the ship is no longer on the ship. And by the way, I didn't tell you the moment that happened. Right. You would think that there would be, like, a life alert bracelet that just kind of, like, pings whenever he's 
suddenly not accounted for. Yeah, they and, uh, the computer's like, Picard's not here and one of the shuttles are gone. And Wesley, to his credit, is like, well, that's impossible. We would have known if someone flew a shuttle out of here. Yeah. So they start trying to piece together what the hell is going on. And we cut back to the shuttle. And I think uh, this is where Q sort of like grinds Picard down to the point where Picard agrees to hear him out back on the Enterprise. Q's like, I can wait you out forever, man. Like, we can be buddies in the shuttle for years or decades. It doesn't matter because I can live forever. And, and I can keep you alive forever, too. Like, Yeah. And Picard's like, you know, given that piece of information, he's like, well, I don't necessarily want to die out here on this Toyota Previa. Like, if I if I promise to, like, give you a hearing, like, listen to what you're offering, like, can we just go back to the ship? And they're like, yeah. So... He snaps his fingers and they're back in 10 forward. This is an awesome scene because this is where Q and Guinan have a little showdown. They come close to a showdown. You know, Picard prevents... It's a karate stance showdown. Yeah, like Guinan like puts her hands up and she's got her fingers kind of arranged in a way where you think she's going to start shooting Emperor Palpatine death ray <laughs> type of shit. Q is like telling Picard that he has no idea how dangerous it is to have somebody like Guinan on his ship. And uh, every episode with Guinan now is implying more and more what a surpassingly powerful and eldritch creature she truly is. Uh, if if Q is like, is like, you know, if Q's... Uh, tail puffs up when he sees Kynan. Like, you know some shit is about to go down if she actually decides to do something. Yeah, it's great exposition because it's it's allowing us to infer something that they never prove, right? Like, by mm-hmm. by Q's mere reaction to Guinan, we we suddenly, like, are supposed to propel her up into the level of her being sort of an equal, if not a superior, to Q. Which, like is sort of a crazy implication. Yeah, well... She's been hiding raises, in plain sight, basically. And it raises a lot of questions, especially because what Q now does is propel the ship out thousands of light years from where they were into the path of a Borg cube. Yeah, but why does he do that? Like, well... Like, like, like there's a moment that, that instigates that. Sounds like you have something you want to say about that, Adam. <laughs> This might be the the beer talking, but I want to make sure I get this right, man. So they're in 10 forward, and the thing that that Q wants more than anything is to be a crew member on the ship. And Picard's like, fuck that. Like, you're a really interesting dude, but you're (laughs) you're far too much trouble to have as as a crew member. Like, what are you going to be? You're going to be, like, an ensign or or some random science officer or whatever? Right. like you're you're skipping the academy and you're going to be a part of the crew? No way! Like that's what are you going to scrub the Boussard collectors? Yeah, you can't jump the line like Give that. Give me a fucking break! And Q's like, look, man, you're going to need someone like me out here. You're going to run into some times when you're going to need some help, and I'm just the type of person that can help you in moments like those. And and Picard's like, we're ready for what's out here. Our whole mission is about exploring things and running into. Uh, challenges and and overcoming them like that's why we're here we're gonna be fine not concerned and Q's like you have no idea 
Like, that is the most hubristic shit I've ever heard. Like, I know everyone and everything in the universe, and you're not ready. I'm telling you, you're not. And Picard's like, yeah, we'll see. I think we're going to be all right. So Q snaps his fingers, and then that sort of frisbee golfs the Enterprise across the galaxy. And yeah. and as soon as they, they land on the other side of the galaxy, Q's like, all right, bye. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. They start scanning around, and they're, like, picking up the same thing that they were picking up in the neutral zone at the end of the last... Uh, season when they would like find a planet where an entire settlement had been scooped up and vanished yeah and and they i think they mention this that they like have observed this before but they really like don't make a strong effort to link it back to those episodes um but uh you know pretty quickly they're they're picking up this this ship and Guinan is like all right, here's what you're dealing with. Guinan is from this part of the galaxy, and that's the only reason they're asking her advice on anything at all. Like, it would be pretty strange if they were at any planet, and, and they're like, hey, Guinan, what do you think? What do you think of this? <laughs> like, Guinan's like, yeah, we're actually pretty close to where my people are from, so I could probably give you some advice on, on what's going down. And so they choose to do that. And it isn't long before they pick up a ship that's headed their way. It's it's the Borgs. It's the Borgs. <laughs> He's a Borg. Oh, no. Ah! <laughs> and uh, we get a pretty neat scene here because uh, they call down to Guinan and they're like, hey, are these the people that murdered everyone on your planet? And Guinan goes to her office. Yeah. Just like across the hall from Denford. What does she do there? I don't know. Like, is she counting money? <laughs> it's just bolts of scarves. Yeah. Bolts of scars. She might have like the uh, the like really rare bottles of Romulan ale stashed back there. Oh, that's the private stock. Mainly, though, let's be honest. This this room has uh, has masturbatorium written all over it. God, you know that Riker wants the code for that door. It's yeah. so close to ten forward. They can just fall out of the door and into that hall, and then across the way into the office. That's yeah. all he needs. But Guinan- Guinan's not giving that shit up. That's where she goes to flick the old bean. In her karate stance? (laughs) Yeah. Some karate stance bean flicking? Yeah. So she pulls the image of the ship up on her screen in the office, and she's like, yep, those are them. You better (laughs) get the the fuck out of here, because they will light you up. And this is, this, like, begins Guinan warning them to just, like, you know, they're, like, two and a half years away from the closest star base if they were to push the ship to the limit and, and and just, like, turn heel and run. And she's basically saying, like, that is the thing you should do right fucking now. Because, like, this is not not a fight you want to even risk having. That's, like, a core tension, though, on this show for this ship for this captain like it's the tension between that explorational tendency and the idea that it would be the right thing to do to leave if you trust Guinan at all if the only reason Guinan is on the ship is to provide the sort of advice that you can't get anywhere else like it would be smart to take her advice but they don't and so they raise their shields 
they're taking seriously that this is like a massive ship that has you know like it's it's weird in a bunch of ways like there's no bridge there's no engineering section they they're not detecting any weapons or life signs but like but like they know that it's like because they don't understand what they're looking at so the shields go up they like radio down to engineering and like in soft focus in the background of this shot one of the borgs appears in uh in the engineering section and just starts like walking around and jordy's like security report to main engineering we have an intruder we just kept talking in one long incredibly unbroken sentence moving from topic to topic so that no one had the chance to and so Picard actually like comes down with the Dustbuster Club to check out this uh, this visitor that they have, and this Borg is like hanging around in the Shimoda Memorial Corner, <laughs> uh, like just kind of looking at all the screens, taking notes in a spiral steno pad, and learning as much as it can about the about the uh, the ship that it has beamed itself on, despite the fact that the shields are up. And this is where Q reappears, and he's, he starts kind of like taunting Picard. He's like, Interesting, isn't it? Not a he, not a she. Not like anything you've ever seen. An enhanced humanoid. Yeah, he goes down the laundry list of how what an oddity it is. And as he's describing the Borg, uh, the Borg starts... Uh, flicking its little arm against the instruments in engineering, shooting some green lightning at it. Yeah. And uh, and stuff's starting to happen. And Picard's like, hey, bro, uh, cut it out. Like, he's, he does that thing <laughs> where he, he raises both hands. He's like, hey, man, we're not going to hurt you. We're just out here on a groovy exploratory mission. <laughs> and the Borg is, like, uh, not even listening, like, Card is is just beneath him to even to even listen to at this point. Yeah. So uh, Worf tries to to stun this guy and doesn't work. And so he uh, he cranks the dustbuster up to full suck. Commence operation vacuum suck and kills the Borg. Suck, suck, suck. No sooner has has this Borg gone down than his Borg buddy beams onto the ship and like finishes lightning bolting the uh the computer and then he starts like digging around in the corpse for components and like grabs like three or four things and you know in the, the like try to phaser this guy a couple times and he's got like personal shielding that has has uh adapted to to counteract the effects of a dustbuster phaser that's a great scene too because when that when that little personal shield goes up he kind of looks at Worf and like if a look could possibly give a jerk off hand motion like <laughs> that's what he gives to Worf at that moment it's an oddly emotional showing yeah. from from something that is utterly without emotion like it was a total uh, big dog move if if drones were given to talking this drone would have said cool dustbuster bro yeah yeah. Yeah, so he he strips the other guy who's dead of all of his useful parts and then they both beam away. Yeah. 
so they get back up to the bridge and the Borg have opened a hailing frequency and it's just kind of like a random shot of something inside the Borg cube that they're seeing and they're getting like a bunch of voices at once saying uh, to surrender and that they're going to be assimilated and uh, and Picard is... Uh, really embracing the hubris that, that Q accused him of and just goes like, nah, dog, fuck all that. <laughs> and so they put him in a cutting beam, which starts, this is like a pretty sweet special effect, actually, where they like, the Borg cut a cone section out of the out of the saucer section and start like pulling it out of the ship. And you see like individual decks with like a toilet in one of them and like a you know like a school classroom in one of them if and like the saucer had a mole the borg were like removing the mole by like yeah. scalpeling around it and then pulling the skin from it yeah or, or like doing like a biore strip on the blackhead of the right. saucer section <laughs> right <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And uh, I guess that's uh, eighteen people by the farm in that in that little. It, uh, if there is a toilet in that in that cross section of the saucer, that's a real Jurassic Park style moment, isn't it? Like, <laughs> like lawyer on the toilet. Yeah. T Rex pulls the the top of the porta potty off. Like, it's a it's a total Jurassic Park ripoff, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it came seven years before Jurassic Park, but you're right. Sure. <laughs> uh, so the Enterprise tries, like, shooting back, and there. this is, like, the the only time I can think of where shooting a phaser at a Borg ship has any kind of satisfying result in the series because they blow some, like, sizable holes in the, in the Borg cube, which is uh, fun to watch, you know? The cube is not appearing to be a threat anymore, so they decide to send an away team over. And uh, this is our our first time on board a Borg's cube. Which this uh, is an idea that Guinan objects to heartily. By the way, yeah, they sort yeah. of focus group it in the conference room, and Guinan's like, "You got to be fucking kidding me! Like, <laughs> yeah. you you're cannot gonna, just walk over there." especially when they know that the phasers that they used in engineering didn't have any effect like they beam a dustbuster club over there with with nothing like with slingshots for all they know like with the same weapons that didn't work a minute ago (laughs) yeah yeah they're yeah they're better off giving Worf a batleth which they should have i mean i guess they wanted to save that for uh star trek first contact but sure it would have been cool this is one of the cool interior set pieces that we've gotten so far. This interior of the ship is really awesome. Yeah, it's like if if H.R. Giger had gone to work for like Black and Decker and designed a <laughs> microwave, like this is sort of what it would have looked like, I feel like. Yeah, a lot of dryer ducting. A lot of alien xenomorph was here type goo on the walls, but it's not quite as gooey. Yeah. They do a great job with scale too. Like like they go they go tight and wide in this scene. They show you how crazy big this ship is and uh 
and and that's something that is like very rarely achieved with good effect in in this show i mean when when Riker goes and visits his beloved anybody canyon it never looks like quite right but yeah this looks awesome yeah and you could tell that Riker wanted to yell anybody off of that balcony <laughs> because like a moment before they go to commercial they the camera pulls out real wide to show a super wide shot and he walks over to the edge and i was like ah oh, if there's ever any if there's ever a time to yell anybody again it's right now <laughs> yeah did so, you notice when they when they went super wide that there was a pool at the bottom no i never noticed that the first time i saw this episode but yeah there's like a green brown almost like not a river but like a a big long pool at the bottom oh you think that's where the Borg queen swims laps yeah i think so you got to keep it tight yeah so they learn a lot of things about the borgs um they learn that they have baby borgs with baby borgs implants when their ship is damaged all the borgs go back to their cubby holes and use their collective brain power to regenerate the ship and what else what else do we learn about the borgs data data like so there's these alcoves where all of the borg like they walk in to these these little closet spaces standing up and then they plug themselves in to the ship and ostensibly that's where they get information uh they work as a collective and they also like repair themselves and so data walks into one of these closets and tries to like stick a finger in the in the outlet (laughs) nothing happens but it's another case of like data sticking his arm through uh through a transporting wall like yeah just sort of not really thinking about the consequences <laughs> pretty great wouldn't it have been fun if they had just like made a little bit of a motif of data like getting terribly maimed every few episodes <laughs> <laughs> you know because they could like like they can repair a data arm or a data leg just fine it's like like his brain is very precious but like he can he can spare a hand for a few weeks I wish they had done that. That would have been so that, great. That would have been fun. It's it would have been like the body part equivalent of killing Kenny in South Park, like <laughs> yeah. just another forearm. Yeah. Well, a lot of our listeners have been kind enough to tweet at Star Trek Room and uh, you know, make their case for us getting jobs as writers on the new Star Trek series. And I feel like it's ideas like this that are really going to like take us over the top and and convince the uh, the producers of that show that we are the kind of guys that have great ideas like this that they need on their on their staff. Yeah, that that's an idea that should go up on the whiteboard. Mm-hmm. Let's put that in a box for season two. Yeah. Let's see if it plays. My love is a They beam back because they realize that uh, the reason that that no one cares that they're there is because every single one of these Borg is putting their effort Borgs, into repairing please. the ship. And that that really scares the shit out of Picard. Once he realizes that they're fixing the ship, he's like, yeah. bring them back. We got to get the fuck out of here. And so they bug out and then and, and the, and the Borg's uh, cube is like, in hot pursuit and there's a great shot where they like zoom in super tight on it and it's like it's like going like and like putting itself back together in real time 
it looks really cool. This is maybe like the the best special effect in an episode of really terrific special effects. Yeah, it looks like a different show. It's so good. And so Q is like uh, going to take this as a great opportunity to come back and uh, continue to make his case for getting a job on the Starship Enterprise. Yeah. I wish we had the kind of power over the new Star Trek series that Q has over Picard in this moment. I want to get it legit, though. Yeah. You don't want to use your supernatural powers to get a job? I mean, I want, to, I want to use my kung fu stance and my, my <laughs> legit writing wit to get into that room and nothing more. Yeah. We should probably start writing if we want. <laughs> We're writing with our words on this show. That's true. So they're hightailing it out of there, and it becomes pretty clear that they can't outrun them. Their weapons aren't working anymore, and Q is like, yeah. I've got solutions to all these problems. It's too bad I'm not a crew member. I could really be useful right now. Right. I mean, this is like this is like the, the pitch he always makes, right? Like like when he gave Riker the Q powers, it's like, like uh, just have these cool powers, and you can just still be the second second banana on this ship and just like doesn't make any sense you know doesn't add up yeah and the Borg cubes gaining on them they finally get to a point where it it becomes clear that this is a this is a no-win situation like the ship is going to pace them Picard's like uh look buddy if if the decision is between asking for your help and dying on this hill you know like for pride I'm right. going to ask for help. Like, please help us. Don't really feel like dying today. Like, can you help us? Can you get us out of here? Like, if we're dead, uh, you're going to be real sad, right? Who are going to tease and torment if we're not around? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, I think that the point Picard is making here is like, yes, Q, like, this is a thing that we might encounter out here that would be hard for us to grapple with if we had encountered them without your your you know throwing us into this into this gladiatorial arena with them in a totally synthetic situation but like like that makes this your fault not ours like like yes we need your help in this completely artificial situation and i mean q is right and he has always been right, I feel like, in mm-hmm. everything he said, like, from the beginning, from the very first episode, from the very first moment he came on the scene, he's like, you guys aren't ready for this. You think you're ready. Humans are sloppy and violent and bad. You're going to fuck this up. And, and here it is. Like, I'm showing you how badly you are going to fuck this up. But what he's wrong about is that he constantly comes at it from a point of view that Picard is too timid to like face those those challenges and Picard has never been timid Picard is not hubristic or prideful or or afraid like he's he's a total realist and and Q in 10 like, forward acts, he told Q that they were ready for anything well they're, like how they're, is that not hubristic they're ready for anything that they would naturally encounter though you could argue that that they they were going to naturally encounter this sooner rather than later. Yeah, within some amount of time, but like 
but like this is you know like Guinan says like you put this in their path way earlier than it was supposed to happen like as though she's sort of like tapped into some sort of understanding of the destiny or fate of of the of the ship which like that's a whole rabbit hole we could go down but yeah i choose not to <laughs> so q snaps his fingers wings the enterprise back to where it was before the lesson <laughs> the lesson being that they weren't ready for this they got punched in the face and q's like you know think about this don't just yeah. don't just wag your dick around the galaxy here thinking that you can you can push everyone else around because it's impossible you can't do it the borgs have got to be just completely baffled because they're like they're like all right we got like a ship here it's like some interesting technology that we can assimilate and uh we've overpowered them like we've we've clearly demonstrated our superiority now we're going to start assimilating wait where'd they go <laughs> and then they're they, like the Borgs have got to like be spent spending a year in conferences just going like okay like what was this mode of transportation that the Enterprise had because we got to get us some of that where did those guys come from should we try spinning around <laughs> I, mean, I mean I'm just spitballing here three yeah. of six I told you we're not going to start spinning around <laughs> it's not going up on the board uh, I was told there would be snacks at this meeting. <laughs> Borgs don't eat snacks. Shut up. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. 
It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Our epilogue. What's the word for the thing at the end? That's the epilogue, right? Yeah. So our button on this episode is... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Just realized how much of an asshole I sounded like saying that word. (laughs) So the the button on the episode is uh, Picard and Guinan enjoying a little bit of three-dimensional chess in 10 forward. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's nice after a long mission to play a little three-dimensional chess. Yeah. Hang out with your homegirl, Guinan. Yeah. Yeah, so they're, uh, they're chatting a little bit about the episode that, w- that came before. Mm-hmm. So Picard's like, uh, yeah, that was pretty fucked up, huh? And Guinan's like, yeah, except you were not supposed to meet them for a while. And I can't tell you how I know that, but... <laughs> Uh, like, now that they know you're here, I'm pretty sure that they're going to start stalking you big time. Yeah. And this sort of, like, sends a cold chill up Picard's spine because they don't really have a solution to this problem. Yeah. And that is how the episode ends. It's a real kind of a down note. Yeah. It just ends with macho man Randy Savage looking into the camera going, I'm coming to get you. <laughs> the cream of the crap <laughs> I love this episode It was great beginning to end That was awesome Pretty solid episode It uh, unsurprisingly was a Rob Bowman episode You gotta throw wah, him, wah, wah. You gotta throw him the keys to the important ones And they do I am Lacutus aboard You will respond to my questions I am Locutus aboard. You are bored. I thought a little bit about just how important this episode was, just in the overall canon of the Mm -hmm. Star Trek story. And, God, like, do you think they knew at this moment just how 
just how important this episode would be for everything that was to come after? I get the sense that they did because they like really did not fail in any of the like things that were would have been tempting to fail at uh, in designing this existential threat to the Federation. Like the Borgs are really cool design. Like the like the characters are really like fully realized. Like they definitely make like minor refinements to the design of the of those characters over the years but like basically like they come fully formed the ship that they fly around on comes fully formed the like all like you know if you like talk about like the mechanics of a of a monster like Mm -hmm. uh, dracula like it can't be out in in uh daylight and if you want to kill it you have to use garlic silver or a steak to the heart like you know, like all of the kind of rules of the Borg are like totally set up in this episode. Like, you know what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, how they work, uh, like how the like whole collective consciousness works, what motivates them. Like all of that shit is totally laid out really flawlessly. And this is a story that, I mean, I think we've talked about this concept before. Like they initially introduced the Ferengi to be the main enemy to the Federation in this show, and they fucked it up so badly that they had to scrap it and start all over again. Like, this is a show that had enough runway to start all over again and introduce a new alien and do it right. Right. That, you know, modern television shows don't get that chance. And, And it's like they learned all of a sudden in a season and a half how to do it right, and they just fucking did it. It's sort of a miracle. Yeah, I can really well think done. of no other example of a television show being able to to course correct like that. You think about the fact that like the average budget per episode on this show is like more than a million dollars. Yeah, they've they've spent they've spent like more than thirty five million dollars to get to this point. <laughs> yeah, they're sort of pot committed, like to, to making it right. Yeah. And like and and like the cool thing the coolest thing about the Borg I think is that like they they know when to use them for the rest of the series. Like they it's not like it's not like uh you know Iron Man 2 where they're like, "Well, we liked having Iron Man in Iron Man 1, so let's have 50 Iron Men in Iron mm-hmm. Man 2." Mm-hmm. You know, it's like like you get little hints of them. There's there's like one or two Borg episodes like every 20 and yeah and and like it just builds on the kind of mythos of the borgs and uh doesn't it never it never gets overdone i don't think one of the scenes that really uh that i wanted to talk to you about was so picard and q being back to 10 forward from the previa (laughs) do you remember how guinan appears in this scene (laughs) she's like she's like hiding behind the uh the she, uh, the bar yeah she like stands up from behind the bar like mm-hmm. was she sleeping back there like uh <laughs> like george costanza slept under his desk at yankee stadium <laughs> i was like what is that about it was such a cool reveal and yeah. could have been super cheesy but it worked it worked in it somehow worked yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know why it worked but it did also I think Jordy has been ruined for me, man, because every time he interacts with a girl, I'm just not buying it. 
all of the scenes he had with uh, with with Gomez just ring yeah. as super creepster vibe. I uh, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I I think what I need is a Jordy episode to sort of get his stock back up for me because I'm starting pa- I'm starting to not like him. Yeah, you got to cleanse your Jordy palate. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that this maybe more than any episode also introduces the weird way that that Jordy interacts with women. Um, and uh, and he keeps getting. I, I feel like he, like he also like typically gets these like real motivated and shapely young cadets right out of the academy that like really want to impress him and it's like it's like don't send these poor women into the engineering section on the enterprise anywhere but there yeah yeah he's really ruining careers and lives he's not a great leader at this point no i am the cutest of all lock faces on that vessel i am the cutest of all as you were watching this very special episode, did you find any drunk Shimodas? Yeah, I mean, I just had to go with Anton uh, Gomez because I feel like she's kind of like going around the same like little parts of the ship as uh, as Jim Shimoda, and uh, you know, spilling a drink is a real classic drunk guy party foul. So she's my drunk Shimoda, and we should say. Uh, Drunk Shimoda is the award we give at the end of every episode for a character who's uh, goofing around, doing something silly, or uh, maintaining the spirit of Jim Shimoda, our favorite character from episode two. Our hero. Uh, How about yourself? My Drunk Shimoda was Commander Riker, and it's for a very specific scene. So the Dustbuster Club beams over to the Borg Cube, and they're, uh, they're knocking around over there doing some exploring. And Riker rounds the corner of the Borg nursery and like you can hear the baby's cries from outside. He hits a button and and out slides a, an incubator with a little baby with uh, with little Borg stuff attached to it. Yeah. And I couldn't help but think that Riker's secondary mission was to check to see if any of the babies were his. <laughs> <laughs> like like what he tells Picard is, oh man, there's like a nursery over here and they're and they're like starting these kids young on these on these uh on these cybernetics. But like I can't we don't see it, but I'm pretty sure he opens up the rest of those incubators to see if anyone looks like him. Yeah. And so, like anyone who might have made a mistake after a night of drinking, uh, <laughs> feel like Riker checking some paternity uh is my drunk Shimoda (laughs) oh he's on a very special episode of Borg Mori (laughs) (laughs) Commander Riker you are not the father oh yeah (laughs) oh man the show took a dark turn Well, this episode can't be beat. I'm curious about what follows it in the series. What are we watching next time? Uh, Looks like you're going to get what you 
we're hoping for with a Geordie episode, because the next episode is season two, episode 17, Samaritan Snare. While Picard fights for his life in surgery, Geordie is held hostage by the leaders of an alien race. Hmm. I uh, don't remember anything about this episode. I think it's the one with the, like, dumb guys that don't know how to, like, fix their ship, and they, like, it, it winds up being sort of like a, a short con for, like, parts and, and technologies. They, like, take Geordie hostage. Hmm. I think it's that. What's wrong with Picard's heart? Do you remember that? All I remember is that the surgery uniform that uh, Dr. Pulaski wears has a built-in fez. (laughs) Fantastic. I want to see that. No veto on your part? You won't get that from me. Okay. I will also not veto. All right. Uh, We will watch that one next time. Perfect. If you want to talk to us about this super long episode or any of the other mistakes we've made on any other episode... You can find us on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. I'm at Cut for Time. Ben is at BenjaminAHR. We're also in a Facebook group called Greatest Generation and the Maximum Fun Reddit and the Greatest Gen Reddits. Uh, both are fun places to go and chat about the shows. Uh, please leave us an iTunes review, five star or don't bother. Uh, we'd love to uh, get a little a little bit of distance between ourselves and Mission Log, lest they finally engage with us in our rap battle and try and catch up. Oh, and we should, uh, you know, thank MaximumFun.org, our beloved podcast network. And uh, you can uh, listen to all kinds of fantastic shows on that network, not limited to the Beef and Dairy Network. The Flop House, One Bad Mother, Judge John Hodgman, uh, Stop Podcasting Yourself. We got this. There's so many great shows on the network. You might just, think that you have no interest in listening to Beef and Dairy Network. You'd but be I'm, wrong. But I'm telling you, Holy you got to give Beef and Dairy Network a try. <laughs> that is a fucking singular piece of podcast artwork. It's right an there. achievement. Yeah. It, it's amazing. The Beef and Dairy Network went on Maximum Fun about three weeks before we did. And when they went on, like, we had been sort of talking to them about the possibility. And when that show went on and I listened to it, I was like, holy shit, we are not good enough to make I, I thought the same thing. As soon as they made the network, I was like, no fucking way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> holy mackerel, that is a good show. It actually, right. like, inspired me to do, to, like, really put a lot of effort into the production of this show. Like... Like to be serious for a second, like that, that show is very well produced in a yeah. very hilarious way, and we could only hope to be as good as that one. Yeah, that's something to aspire to for sure. Yeah. Well, with that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, and also whatever this is. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. He's a Borg. Oh no! Ah!
We guard the Borg. <laughs>